RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. Okay. Well, welcome to Closing the Distance. Hi, Lindsay. Uh, my, hi, Jeff. Uh, my name is Lindsay Slocum. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my privilege today to interview our senior pastor, Jeff Myers, who preached a phenomenal sermon yesterday. And I will tell you, it was very timely for me. I um, This one really touched me. In uh, Anyway, I, we'll talk some more about it, um, and I'm super curious for us to continue talking about it. Um, but I do want to just check in first. Last week, you went to go visit your parents. Um, we missed you. The office was very quiet. And there was nobody who was interrupting anything. It was so quiet. <laughs> but we do want to check in and, and see how your parents are doing. It's amazing how much work people got done uh, when I wasn't <laughs> around. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so my dad... Um, you know, as I've told people before, he has uh, dementia. And so he had some strokes about a week ago. Um, and so, you know, none of my siblings really live in, in my hometown anymore. And so my sister went out, then I went out, and then my brother went out. We kind of tried to stagger it so we could help my mom uh, with him. And he's in rehab now and trying to make the best of a really, really challenging situation. And we don't know kind of what the future holds. And so it's a really difficult time for us. But, um, they're, they're really blessed. They're part of a great church community there in Spokane okay. and, uh, you know, supportive folks. And, um, you know, my dad is, is a positive guy. And <laughs> as I joke with people, my mom's been bossing him around for 40 years. So uh, <laughs> this is, this is okay, but it's really hard on my mom too. And so yeah. I appreciate everybody's prayers um, as we try to figure out what the future holds. Well, we certainly were praying for you last week and we'll continue to do so. It's such a long journey. And um, I, I mean, I've shared with you before that Scott's mom also had Alzheimer's and and actually my grandfather had uh, Louis body too. So it's it's just a long process when you're, um, anyway. and, and it's also, which this kind of totally connects back to your sermon. It's also weird when, um, when your parents like as they get older and then you have to start providing care for your parent that's just a new dynamic too it's kind of yeah anyway so yes lots of lots of praying for for all of your family thank you yeah yeah and thanks for your sermon yesterday too uh, i don't know when you had time to write a sermon last week but you did a really great job it was phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> well i mean lindsay one of the great things about RPC is, you know, we have to plan these things out so long because, you know, they, 
The, the choir needs to know what hymns they're going to sing. The prayer of confession needs to be written, you know, all these component parts. And so we try um, to lay this out, you know, six months to a year in advance. So I'm, I'm usually thinking about um, these sermons for a long time before they're actually, um, you know, pen to paper. Um, and I just, I love Genesis 13 and this idea of Abraham going back to where he came from. Um, and this departure, you know, I've heard people talk about this, the separation between Abraham and Lot. And mm -hmm. usually it's about people like focusing on the disagreements between the herders, <laughs> you know, the, the shepherds. And, you know, there's this, is this conflict between Abraham and Lot. And I wanted to kind of take a different position yesterday and say, maybe, you know, Abraham's shown this great growth that now he's, he's allowing Lot, um, you know, to decide who he's going to be for himself for the future. Oh, interesting. I guess I have not done an, enough research on them to know that that was traditionally, there's like this kind of conflict there. Cause you did yesterday make it this really lovely kind of celebration of family and um, yeah. Okay. Okay. But let, I want to back up just a little bit because the whole, this whole concept of home and home changing and you can't go back home. It's so fascinating. And I think the quote you've used before in other sermons are things about, um, you can't dip your foot in the same river twice, which is related, right? That like you kind of can't go back to how it was before, for better or for worse. Maybe sometimes that's better. Um, but okay, so you used this example. So we were so we're talking about kind of progress and growth and moving, and you used this illustration of the explorers trying to find the South Pole, and they were th they kept going. They realized they're going in circles, and so they had to start throwing snowballs so that they would know which way was forward and kind of marking their progress. And so I wanted just to circle back that I was like, gosh, that's such a powerful image. And we could do a thousand things with that. But I, I just wanted to circle back to that image in particular, especially when we think about growth or moving forward and what that looks like. And, and let's spend, I wanted to spend some time kind of naming, like, what are our snowballs? Like, how do we, how are we marking that progress? How are we kind of ensuring that we are moving forward? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I got that image, um, it's not original to me, uh, from a book called The Gospel in a Pluralistic Society, which is by a guy named Leslie Newbegin. Oh, right. And Newbegin was a guy that he was from, um, I think, England, and he was part of the Anglican Church, Episcopal Church, and he goes as a missionary to India. And he goes there and he becomes an expert in Hindu scriptures, like in like Hindu scholars would come to him and ask him about their own scriptures, even though he's a Christian. Okay? And he would say um, that there the gospel, you know, the good news of Jesus Christ had to have a place at the table where a bunch of other belief systems were there. Okay. And so he was making an argument for the persuasibility, the tenability of the Christian faith. After about 30 years of ministry, he comes back to the UK. And what he sees here is he experiences is a totally different cultural situation. He says, it's just as quote unquote secular as, as India was. And then he talks about living in a post-Christian society and that one could no longer assume that everybody knew the stories of the Bible, that people um, just took as a given that there was a God, um, that, that, um, you know, that religion had a place at the table in a public setting, you know, all these things. And so 
And so he uses this image of Robert F. Scott and those explorers as this place that the gospel or the, Christ, the church is in now in a post-Christian world. And we've seen that that's become true in the United States as well. Um, and a lot of people want to go back to Christendom where you just assume that everybody's Christian. If you're an American, you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not where we live anymore. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so he uses that image, which I love about these snowballs that we throw out um, about progress. And I don't, and Kierkegaard's got a great line where he said, um, he says, you know, life can only be understood looking backwards, but it must be lived going forwards. Mm. And I think there's, I, I honestly, I, I don't know um, if we can really predict, you know, what progress is going to look like. Um, you know, Jesus plays with the sense of how we assume what progress looks like. You must become like a child, right? Um, you must become less uh, to become great. The, the least of these will be the greatest. Um, if you want to lead, you have to learn how to serve. Like he flips up these, these concepts of what yeah. we think of progress. And so I think living the Christian life is, is one of, you know, I think celebrating the liturgical seasons of Lent, of Advent, of Christmas, um, uh, of, of serving, you know, these kinds of practices. And we find ourselves growing over time, hopefully. Okay, so so kind of leaning into, uh, I don't know what, I don't, uh, um, I want to make sure I use my words correctly, like leaning into the Christian life and um, engaging in Christian practices yeah, so, for I these mean, snowballs. So- I'm still trying to kind of decide what, how we're going to, how, what, what can we use as snowballs in our own lives to like mark? Yeah, okay. Them. So I think like a regular prayer practice that, yeah. um, I think uh, these moments in life um, that kind of mark. So, so prayer is a thing we we pray about the future. We can't pray, you know, about five years usually ahead. We pray about today, today's mm-hmm. daily bread. Uh, maybe next week's, <laughs> um, but we can't really assume much, much further out. So, I think yeah. uh, prayer. I think I think regular worship. You know, being in church on Sundays is is one of those ways that we're constantly reminding ourselves who we are, what we're about, where we're going. Um, and over time, we don't even realize it, but almost like by osmosis, it forms us into people that um, can pray, that can f- confess our sin, that have um, people, uh, that we can be a people of hope, um, that we care about our community. I think about the um, baptism we did yesterday in the, um, in the 930 service. The congregation... Mm-hmm. We said, okay, this is a baby. You know, um, John was not, is nine months old. He doesn't even know what's happening to him. But, right. but that the congregation made a commitment to nurture his faith, to care for him over time. And I think that's like a snowball that we're, hey, we're going to be with you over this length of time until you get to the age where you can own your faith for yourself. So I think that those kinds of things um, are really important to kind of snowballs of faith. Yeah. Well, and I like how, as you're walking us through this, I really like how those snowballs are also kind of, um, they're kind of a regular rhythmic disciplines as well too. Like it, it's kind of like a constant that sustains us on the journey as well too. So that, that's cool. I like that. I, I like that with the snow, with them. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm a, I don't know if this is a personal thing, but I'm a creature of habit. Like, yeah. 
you know, like I like doing the same thing. I like, I like that comfort. I know I do. I, you know, I can go outside the lines like anybody and I like going on vacation and do it. But what are these things that are going to sustain me over the course of my life? And that are going to help me grow as a human being, become more loving, mm-hmm. more freer, uh, help on other people flourish. And these habits are things that um, will help me hopefully become like that and grow in those, in those ways. Yeah, that's good. And and this might be an appropriate place. And I was going to say this at the end, but might be a perfect appropriate place to kick in a, a little highlight of next the next sermon series that starts next Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna. <laughs> uh, I think we're calling it CrossFit, <laughs> which just cracks me up. But um, who who decides these things? And it's going to be about spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, and it's these ways of. The, the Christian tradition over 2000 years have kind of come up with these kinds of habits and things you can do to help you grow in the spiritual life. And um, they're not totally exclusive to Christian faith. You know, like Buddhism has meditation as part of it. And we've learned a lot from our, um, from the Buddhist tradition, you know, that's been incorporated into Christian faith. Um, but things like meditation, which we'll look at this Sunday, prayer, silence, um, fasting, uh, generosity, um, I think we have about seven that we're going to look at and we're going to try, I'm going to invite the congregation to practice them during the week. And there'll be kind of these things that these ways of being in the world that will help people grow. And I think I'm the kind of person that there's times in my life where I've done meditation and silence prayer, and that's really nourished me. And that's been really helpful. And there's other times where fasting has been important that more like saying no for something smaller for a greater purpose has been more important. Um, so I think not getting stuck in a rut, but um, using them in different ways to help, uh, whatever works and is beneficial to someone at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's a cool time be, to try out this this next sermon series will be a cool time to try out some of those different disciplines we were discussing this morning that silence is not like my strength. I'm not super great at that. Um, and so this will be a time to kind of try that out because back to where we were, building in these disciplines that sustains us and and enables us to grow. And yeah, yeah, so, so good, so good. Okay, I also really wanna talk about, because we, I, I, I got super like interested in it as you were discussing yesterday, the role of the altar in the story, right? So you talked about how Moses had built the altar to worship because important things happened, but then he left then he came back and the altar's like kind of dusty. <laughs> so uh, I I got really um, taken with this concept of the altar. And in my brain, I don't know if this is what you wanted to do with it or not, but in my brain, it kind of, it marked the good things that happened there. Like it marked the healthy and the growth that happened there and continued to call us to the fact that God had been at work, but there was still some kind of like having to deal with it when you came back because it didn't look or maybe fit the same role that it had the first time or I don't know so I'm super curious on your your thoughts behind the altar because I spent a lot of time thinking about that yesterday yeah so so I can't remember if I said this explicitly but so in Genesis 12 when Abraham receives the or Abram receives the covenant okay I'll make I'll make you a great family well out, out number the stars in the heavens and I'll give you land okay the promised land he builds an altar then he goes to Egypt, then he comes back to that altar, and then he builds another altar. Okay. 
And so I think altars signify their places of worship. And I think they, they mark out holy moments, holy times in our lives that are act as, they're both a thing in of themselves, like they're a place of worship, but they also remind us of that time that was in the past. And so, you know, at RPC, if you go into the historic sanctuary, you know, we have plaques on the walls that remember when Reverend Pratt, you know, came to Roswell, um, look at these other pastors. We have, if you look in the, um, in the narthex, you know, we have a pa uh, pictures of Reverend Pratt, but we also have Lane and we also have Cy, previous pastors. And I think, is it celebrating them as human beings? Yes. But it's also a reminder of those people and those saints that have gone before us that are cheering us on in our own faith. It's not it's not that we're just venerating somebody who's gone, but it's that we're we're carrying we're carrying on a living tradition that they yes. gave us, and yes. and I think by doing that and being self conscious about it, I think and passing that on to our children, we hope that those who come after us will continue that living tradition, and that they're not going to celebrate Lindsay or Jeff and go well, things are never going to be the same, you know they're. We are, we, we hit the apex when Lindsay was executive pastor and it's all downhill <laughs> after that, you know, but no, it's like, no, we will. And I think you, somebody told me that Lane would always say, um, you know, RPC, the best days are ahead of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of positivity and hope for the future is really inspiring. And I think that's what altars do. Altars mm -hmm. not only signify a moment in time, but they point us towards the future and orient us um, you know, in that hopeful living. Yeah. And yes. And I loved that. So we've got the first altar. And so there's this constant kind of reminder of that, which God has done and a reminder that God is good and that God's at work and that God is invested. But then there's kind of this, it, the second altar. And it was a way of, I don't know, and maybe I was over reading into this, but it was kind of like, we're not, we're not trying to be we're not trying to make everything the way it was the first time. Like we are grateful for how it was then, but the second altar kind of gives us a way to say, but God is still at work, even when things are different, even though we're different people, this, the home is different, but God's still at work and we still see that and we're still testifying to it. And I, I think that is so hard for us, such a hard concept in, in our personal lives and our church lives and our faith lives, because when we see when something is good, and, and, and we want to celebrate, we want to kind of build an altar, if you will, and, and signify it and mark it. Then we want to figure out how to keep getting back to that, which is the whole point of your sermon is that that's not, that's not how it works. We, you can't go home. You can't go back home. We, we will celebrate that and acknowledge it, but that we got to, yeah. God's still doing things. That, like how you said, living tradition, like the tradition's important, but the fact that it's living and breathing and changing and, and growing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, um, the other thing, and I don't think I mentioned this yesterday, but should be noted, is so the, so we have two altars, one in Genesis 12, okay, then Abraham, Abram goes to Egypt, he comes, and we don't get any mention of calling on the name of the Lord, none of that in Genesis 12, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then he comes back, you know, back home, as I was calling it, to the, the land of promise. And God restates the promise that he made in the beginning of Genesis 12, he says the same thing basically at the end of Genesis 13, that the promise is still living, that it's still in the future. Yet God hasn't forgotten. Interesting to note here, they're still without children. You know, yeah, God said, yeah. 
I, if you could count the, the dust, you could count how many kid, you know, descendants you're going to have. And you got to think Abram and Sarah are getting up in age and they're like, what? What are you talking? But God restates the promise. Okay. And I think that there is something about that. Like we say, what's that old, um, that old hymn living on the, or standing on the promises. Mm-hmm. That, like, we are people of promise. And that becomes really important for Paul in the New Testament that in, he actually reads the Christ of it, who Jesus Christ is as a promise, as God's promise to us. Um, and, and, and if we, if we hold on to the promise of Jesus Christ, I think that gives us inspiration for the future, but that's not living in the past. Okay. This is so good because my next question, but see, now you've answered it, but I really like the way you did, because I was thinking about this is so good because I was thinking about how, you know, when, when they come back the second time and Abraham and Lot decide, um, the words that you based, you said is that home, the homes changed. It can't support them both now. And so they have, it's different. And it, it made me really start thinking about when we do either we have to go home or we're going back or, or we just find ourselves in a different place. And this idea of it, for whatever reason, it can't, it doesn't support, it doesn't feel like it's supposed to, or whatever, um, then what does that mean? Like, how are we supposed to deal with the fact that the home has changed? And I, I, I like how you're coming back to this idea of then what we're doing is claiming that promise. Like that, that's what, when the home's changed, then we're continuing to claim that promise and move forward. I do think, this is what I was thinking yesterday, but I, I, I'm going to, pull in this promise piece because I love that so much. But I do think that there is a piece of us that probably has to grieve that it's not what it used to be. I think we have to be really practical and saying like, we're going to grieve that. And, or I don't know, maybe we are glad it's not there anymore, but there are times when we grieve that it's not what it was. But I love this adding back on that promise and that that's what sustains us when we're, our hearts are broken because it's not what we thought it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really good, Lindsay. And I, I read um, this article, I think it was in Psychology Today, about um, you can't go home again. And they said, this is a very uh, depressing and pessimistic view. <laughs> ah. and, and I get that. Like, yes, but that's part of the human condition. And yeah. I think to avoid it, to act like it's not a reality of our lives, mm-hmm. fails. To, I think then we fail to be really human. And then I think we fail to kind of go, okay, how do we make sense of that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause we all, I think we all probably know people that are living in the past. You know, they're, um, you know, we recently had a political campaign that was all about, you know, <laughs> make America great again. Well, we can't go back. We got airplanes now, <laughs> we don't have slavery. You know, women can vote, like, we got, you know, we got four wheel drives. We, we have electricity. Like there, we, we, you know, we got airplanes and F-22s and we got, you know, movies and all sorts of stuff. Like we're not going back. And mm-hmm. so we have to think about where are we going in the future? And I think as people, as Christians, we could be people of hope that we're, mm-hmm. we, we believe that our, our future is tied up in God. And God will reconcile all things to God's self, which he began in Jesus Christ. Um, and so I think we do have that, um, we have that future orientation. 
but but that also is an escapist because there's a kind of a religiosity that can be escapist about our present predicament you know that yeah. um, that like we're just totally living in the future so it's 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 how do you hold those things in tension okay celebrating the past remembering it learning from it hopeful about the future but living in the present and that's a yeah. difficult thing as a human being um to do i think so but that's if you can do it well that's a, a life well lived yeah and i think everything you're saying it completely absolutely correlates to kind of the journey that the church and i don't mean i mean roswell certainly is part of it roswell Prez is certainly part of it but the church the, the worldwide church i think we're all kind of figuring that journey out too right so we're where the church is holistically in 2023 is very different from where it was in 2019. And so we, you know, there's, we'll find ourselves in conversations saying, well, you know, how are we going to get back to whatever? And I'm, I keep really, I want us to work really hard to resist using the word back because we're, we're not the same people that we were in 2019. And we need, maybe we need something different, or there's something that we need to hold on to in a different way, a different way that we are communicating, whatever it is. Um, so I think, you know, celebrating and acknowledging those, the altars that we had in 2019 or 2000 or 1987 or whatever, like yeah. acknowledging that God was at work in those moments, but, but also paying attention to that we have grown. There's, there's things that we know about each other and there's things that we know about the world. And yeah. so we're just different people and we need different things and we we're called to different things in a different time and place. And so yeah. figuring out what does it look like to kind of build that new altar. Yeah. I was thinking when you're saying that brought like a really concrete situation that like I've seen an unfortunate number of times where I've seen married couples um, go through great betrayal, might've been adultery, one thing or another, mm -hmm. and they'll come in and talk and they'll, you know, they're trying to decide, are they going to stay together? How, how are they going to move forward? And one of them may, might say, I just want to go back to the way it was before. Mm -hmm. And I'm usually of the mind, I'm like, you can't because mm -hmm. the betrayal has happened. It's there mm -hmm. and to avoid it, to, to like ignore it, to act like it didn't happen is to, is, is that's, you're going to sublimate it and it will come out in unhealthy ways. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to need to learn how to, one of you's got to repent and the other one's got to forgive and you got to yeah. reconcile. And, you know, oftentimes we'll do, you know, restatement of marital vows because the, the covenant needs to be restated. It needs to yes. be renewed. Um, and I've seen couples make it through and now are flourishing in their relationships in beautiful ways. But usually it doesn't happen by ignoring, <laughs> right? by doing the hard work that is hard, but it's much better in the long run. Um, Absolutely. And no, like you're talking about snowballs, that's a snowball. Okay, yeah. we're going to make a covenant that we, are gonna, we can reconcile and we're going to throw it out there and we're just going to live by faith that we can, you know, you know, that we will be in love and that we'll learn to love each other in new way and new and fresh ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. So good. I know that we have been talking for a while. I just, we can't finish without talking about the Springsteen quote. Holy cow. So I'm just not a huge Springsteen person. Um, I appreciate how much you love him, but that's not. So I was unfamiliar with this, but this idea of being ghosts or ancestors in our children's lives. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's changing fire, my right? world. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. I don't know if you want to say anything else about it or not, but 
Holy cow. So powerful. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, I love Springsteen, but I love that quote because it just resonates so true. And so much of his music is, you know, think about one of his famous songs, Born, Born to Run, right? Mm-hmm. I got to get out. Um, I mean, he's deeply Catholic. He's influenced by Augustine, uh, Flannery O'Connor, you know, um, Walker Percy, these folks. And he has done, I mean, he talks about it in his autobiography um, about the psychotherapy he's went through to deal with his, his relationship with his own father, mm. you know, and how it was destroying his relationship with his, with his kids and with his wife, right? Mm. And he goes and he, he talks about doing the hard work over many years to figure that out. Um, and, and to reconcile. And I think it's really inspiring. And in the Broadway show, um, it's, and there's a version of it on Netflix you can watch. It's really good where he, um, he like, he narrates the songs and he kind of t- gives the stories behind them. Um, um, you know, it's maybe a couple hours long and, he, and then he performs. So, and he doesn't do every song or all the songs, um, but he, and he's, he's got a really great sense of humor too about it, about his own kind of mythology and stuff. It's, it's very good. Even for non-Bruce Springsteen fans. <laughs> well, no, now I'm going to go look this up. I just was, because so much of the the sermon, of course, I'm listening to as, you know, an adult child who does have this kind of piece of going home and trying to navigate. And, and so I was just thinking about like, before you got to this, I was thinking about, okay, so what does it look like when I am the adult and I want my kids to come home? And, um, and so then, and so then you got to the Springsteen thing and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like, yeah. Oh, fire. It was so good. So good. So I, I appreciated, I appreciate yeah, your you insight I, on I, that. Yeah. Yeah. And as, you know, and I think, yeah, how do we be ancestors and not ghosts to our children? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's, we could expand that beyond just the, the family. Yeah, um, of course. You know, to how do we set people free um, to be who God has created and called them to be? is one of the well and for you know how old is the roswell presbyterian church 180 like for 180 year old congregation that's a really important question too that we're constantly trying to figure out then what does it look like for us to be ancestors and that goes for these people that are coming behind us and yeah you're right it can apply in a million ways there's so many places that we just especially you know jeff i think you and i are classified as middle age now so i think we got to be thinking about these things like how are we setting up i know i don't feel middle age but so so it's like dude you're middle age (laughs) (laughs) i do something's going on with my elbow i don't know what it is but my elbow just like randomly hurts now and i'm like i think this is because i'm middle age i don't know what else to explain (laughs) (laughs) i don't know poor elbow i know i don't know why it just does so I don't know. That's funny. Um, okay, so we've we've wrapped up the Genesis sermon series. So good. That it was that was such a great sermon series. Really um, yeah, I hope I don't know if we're going into Exodus, but that could be a good one too, because there's just so many, so much drama in there. Um yeah. and a lot of the stories people are kind of familiar with, but they haven't spent a lot of time thinking about. And the old testament is just so wild. I love it. It's, like, it, it, yeah, what it's insane. Like, what, what happened? <laughs> it's crazy that's in the bible (laughs) (laughs) 
but we're going to kick off Lent on Wednesday. And so there's two services. There's one at noon. It's outside. You're going to need to bring a chair if you're coming to that one and you want to sit down. And then we'll do the evening one at 7 p.m. And that's in the sanctuary. We'll do the imposition of ashes and communion at both of those services. And you're preaching those, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'll be bringing the, bringing the word. Good. And Good. then, um, and we're doing something cool f- during Lent with closing the distance. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm probably primarily me, I will be interviewing authors, kind of experts on the sermon topic theme. So, um, so this Sunday, we're going to be talking about meditation, kind of a general introduction to spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices, and then also focusing in on meditation. On Monday, I'm going to be interviewing Kai Nielsen, who's a friend of mine. Um, he's an author. He's a spiritual uh, director who does a lot of stuff with Renovare, if people have heard of that. He's a Lutheran pastor and just a really wise person about mm-hmm. spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines and how they can foster the spiritual life and help us become, um, you know, uh, uh, more mature Christians in our faith. And I think um, it's going to be really great. I'm looking forward to learn a lot from him. So we'll be doing that on Mondays. We've got uh, Kyle Strobel's going to be coming up, a couple other folks throughout Lent. So it's going to be really exciting to get kind of another perspective on some of these themes. Um, yeah. And I'm really excited because I want to learn about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be super cool. Good. I will look it'll, forward to that. It'll give some of the other pastors uh, a Monday off so they don't have to... Uh, <laughs> Well, we only we only work on Sundays, so when we have to do this, then we add the day. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, good. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Thanks for your wisdom and and of course for your time in this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Lindsay, and I'll see you soon. Have a great. Okay, meeting. perfect. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.